0: This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. You're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning, the show where you gain clarity and understanding about such things as last will and testament, the probate process, trusts, and how not to lose everything you own to the high cost of the nursing home. Now here's your host, Estate Plan Stan.
1: Hey, good day to you. Good day to you on this May the 20th, 2023. You are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. I am Stan Prochowski with Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law, located on the square in beautiful downtown Pulaski, Tennessee. Hey, Bulletproof Estate Planning is the show where we talk about all things estate planning. We talk about the Last Will and Testament. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We talked about revocable living trusts, talked about those a few weeks ago. Special needs trusts. We're not we're yet to talk about those. Asset protection trust. That's the subject we're continuing today. And 10 care planning, pre planning and crisis planning to help keep you from going broke in the nursing home. That's coming up in weeks to come. As always, I encourage questions. This show is all about education on what your options are. So if you have a question, you can call me at 931-363-7222, or you can go to my website at estateplanstand.com. There you can find my email and ask that way. I always enjoy doing this show here on Front Porch Radio, WKOM, in Columbia, Tennessee. All my episodes are posted on as a podcast on the WKOM website. So if you ever miss one or you want to go back and review a topic, it's all there for you to do just that. Okay. All right. First up, let's talk about this seminar that's coming up. Coming up Wednesday, Wednesday the 24th. So just a few days from now, Wednesday the 24th at 1 o'clock p.m. That's going to be at the West 7th Street, Church of Christ. The address is 405 West 7th Street, Columbia, Tennessee. It's in Murray County. So uh, that's not the usual day for us, but we were invited to that venue, and that's the day and the time they wanted us. So that's when we're doing it. If you haven't been to one of my seminars, you probably ought to consider it because we talk about all this stuff. You'll like it. The reviews I get are very positive, so... But again, I think I mentioned this last time, and I want to warn you. I want to warn you, it's a lot of information. So come prepared to hear a lot. All right, you know, don't don't come thinking you're going to get a free meal, and then some kind of sales pitch at the end, where we make it try to you know talk you into signing up for something. None of that. None of it is like that. Uh, we're going to hit the ground right at about one o'clock, and we're going to go nonstop for about an hour to an hour and ten minutes. And you are going to be captivated by everything I have to say. So come to that. Call my office at 931-363-7222. And you can get on the RSVP list. You know, if you have questions, bring them with you. Bring your questions with you. I welcome questions. The only thing I usually ask is that we wait until the end of the seminar for the question and answer period. Uh, Write them down if you have them ahead of time, and write them down if you have them during the presentation. I will not leave until everybody's questions have been answered. So, all right. Uh, What a week. It was a heck of a week. I was out last week, and I talked about that a little bit. I was out of town, but um, I was back all this week getting caught up, and we did spend a lot of time catching up. We're still sort of catching up. So, All right. I think where I left off last week was we talked about this concept of, of how not to go broke in the nursing home. I mean, that's where we are. And I'm not going to review it too much because, you know, if you want to review what I talked about, it's it's on the podcast. They're recorded but very briefly so you don't have to do that. And if you want to listen today and you don't want to get – don't feel like you want to get behind. You know, we talked about this concept of the asset protection trust or creditor protection trust. We're, we're trying to solve the problem – of not going broke in the nursing home. Because remember, I told you about some scary, scary statistics. You know, I said that the statistics are that 70% of everybody that's 65 years of age or older is going to require some level of long-term care. Now, there's a couple levels of long-term care. We've got full-skilled facility nursing home, the assisted living, and the home and community-based systems. But nonetheless... 70% of us over 65 are going to need some form of long-term care. Now, that's disturbing. I mean, if you're just a statistics person, you know, our, our bet is already hedged that we're going to need some, right? Now, the one that scares me or should scare you is that 7 out of 10 people that go into a nursing home will become impoverished within one year. Now, that's scary. So, you know, so what can we do about it? I mean, okay, so okay, Stan, thanks for the scary statistics, but uh, what the hell can we do about it? I mean, is it just coming down the pike and we just have to take it? No, that's what we're talking about, what you can do about it. You know, like I say, how not to go broke in the nursing home because you don't want to become this person that's impoverished for a couple of reasons. One, you worked all your life, right? You and your spouse and or just you and you worked all your life and you have all this wealth you accumulated over a lifetime. Or if you go in and your spouse is not in the nursing home, you sure as heck don't want her going broke, right? You know, if you're this black hole of cost, I think we said the average now is $8,500 a month. And you don't want to be this black hole of cost, sucking up all the resources and your spouse, you know, become destitute. Now that's a concern too. So we don't want that to happen. So, you know, why do I bring the statistics up? There are There is something we can do about it. And I think I wrapped up with the thing talking about Uh, what those costs were, or or, I mean, what what puts us there. Remember we talked about, you know, uh, if you get to the nursing home, you know, you got stroke or Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and even osteoporosis are the things that put us into the nursing home. And again, not all strokes do, but a lot of them do if they're paralyzing. So uh, what we want to do is plan in such a way that we, If this happens to us or me or a spouse or a loved one has to go into long-term care, we've got ourselves in a position so that we don't um, bleed to death financially. Okay? Now, you know, there's only three ways you can pay for long-term care. Because, you know, I talk about it being catastrophic, right? I said it is nothing short of a catastrophic expense. $8,500 a month, you know what you're worth. Get out the calculator, divide it by eighty-five hundred, and that's how many months you can bleed to death financially until you're broke. Uh, some of you longer than others, but nonetheless, why do it at all if you don't have to? Because, what if, I mean, you know, spending it on long-term care is one thing, but maybe you want to have a high quality of life in your later years, even if you're in a nursing home. You'd like a high quality life, meaning a quality of life that's better than what just ten care will pay, right? or maybe you know you you want to have something to leave to your kids. I mean that's a lot of people's goal, right? May not be the primary thing. I always think care is the first thing, but when it's all said and done with and we're gone, most people like to have something to leave to their children. So the question becomes this. It becomes what you know if this happens to me, if I go into the nursing home or my spouse or a loved one goes into the nursing home, and the bill is What, $8,500 a month, okay? You've got to ask yourself the question. You've got to ask yourself, how the heck are we going to pay for this, right? Uh, So that's the worry. Now, really, when we talk about how we're going to pay for it, there's really only three ways. And those three ways really boil down into two ways, but uh, let me go over them. One way is to have long-term care insurance, now, unfortunately, I looked at a study by the, you know, the uh, Unum Insurance Company, and it turns out they say less than 10% of Americans have long-term care insurance. So, you know, if you don't have it, you know, that's not a, that's not a solution for you. Now, long-term care insurance is, you know, the, exactly that. It's a special kind of insurance that pays your bill Well, actually, none of them pay 100% anymore, but they pay 60%, 70% of your long-term care bill if you go in. Now, what that does, I mean, if you have it and you're lucky enough to have it, you need to hang on to it because it's a great tool. And if you do have it, it's going to keep you from selling other assets. You could probably, with your income in that, pick up the other 40 to 30%. And that's what its goal is. It slows the rate of financial bleeding, okay, and gets you to a point where you can apply for long-term care. Through, through the state, through 10 care. Now, if you don't have long-term care, and the problem with long-term care insurance is it's very age and very health dependent, meaning if you reach a certain age, which I believe is 84, they will not insure you. And if you're close to 84, the premiums are really high. Um, or if you've got health issues, they won't insure you. I mean, let's face it, insurance companies don't take a risk. So if you're 80 years old and you already got you know, COPD, or you got some kind of active disease. I mean, they are not even going to entertain the thought of insuring you. And they don't have to, you don't have a right in insurance. Uh, If they do insure you that, you know, and you're a high risk, they're going to hammer you with premiums, right? And it is expensive insurance. It's not as expensive as the nursing home. It's not as expensive as 8,500 a month, times 12, right? Which is $120,000 a year. You know, the I, I typically see or people tell me that they're Long-term care insurance is in the neighborhood. Their annual premium is in the neighborhood of about two months worth of long-term care. So you're looking at an annual premium of $15,000, $16,000. Now, that's expensive for insurance, I agree. But it's not as expensive as being in the nursing home. So there is some value to it. And, you know, by the studies, only 10% of the people or less in my office— It's a whole lot less than 10%. Every now and then, somebody comes in and has that. And it's a great planning tool. We work it right into the plan. But it's less than 10%. So, Now, the good news is, for the other 90% of us who don't have long-term care insurance, there's still ways to protect your assets from long-term care. Actually, there's still ways to protect all of it, 100% of it, from long-term care. Okay, so we're coming up on that. Now, what are the goals that we're trying to do here? I mean, you know, what are the why do we want to plan this some people call it Medicaid planning? Why do we want to plan for long-term care? Okay. Why do we want to do this asset protection planning? Uh, the reason we want the main reason we want to do it is so we can qualify for the benefits, okay? Primary Medicaid. I mean, Medicaid is what covers long-term nursing home costs. And of course, when I talk about Medicaid here in Tennessee, Remember, you know, quick review, the individual states have their own Medicaid programs. They have to operate inside the federal Medicaid Act, but they have a lot of choices they can do inside that act. So if you look at it like a big circle, and Tennessee is a smaller circle inside the federal circle, Tennessee can do move around in there and do different things. They just have to stay within the boundaries of the federal act. In the federal acts, you know, states can always be more restrictive, but they can never be less restrictive I mean, it can be less restrictive than the feds, but they can never be more restrictive. So, um, you know, so we want to we want to be able to qualify for these benefits as, you know, as soon as possible in order to preserve, you know, your dignity and your quality of life. I mean, like I said before, what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, a lot, a lot of people think about, you know, Medicaid asset protection as a way to preserve an inheritance for their children. And for some people, you know, that's their goal, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, you've scrimped and saved all your life, and you may want to preserve an inheritance for the children as a legacy. That's that's their right. But many, of, many people, if not most of my clients, uh, their kids are usually financially better off than they are anyway, and it's not about preserving an inheritance for the kids. It's about protecting the assets to make their life better if and when they need nursing home care, okay? How that works is like this: If you create the the income only asset protection trust that we talk about, and you've protected your assets in this trust, that money can can be used by your kids or your children to make your life better in the nursing home, to pay for things Medicaid doesn't cover, like lost or broken dentures, broken eyeglasses, hearing aids, um, you know, even to pay for things like a private sitter to sit with you in the nursing home to help get you the best possible care, change the channel on the TV if you're paralyzed from a stroke, or help you put on headphones or earbuds if you like to listen to music or audio books, that sort of thing. And, you know, like I said earlier, a big part of asset protection is also about protecting the income and the assets for the healthy spouse that's at home. When we're dealing with a married couple and, and one spouse is in a nursing home, The primary goal is to protect the income and the assets for the healthy spouse that's not in the nursing home. These are what we call the spousal impoverishment rules. That lets us shift income and assets from the institutionalized spouse to the healthy spouse. Now let's get our terminology correct. When somebody goes in the nursing home, they are referred to as the institutionalized spouse. That's a mouthful. Sometimes I call them the sick spouse. And the one that's home is called the community spouse. And sometimes I just call that the healthy spouse, okay? You know, but, you know, many times this Medicaid planning that we do is about protecting, you know, a family home. You know, meaning not only for a spouse to live in, but maybe even adult children. Who knows? Okay? All right, when we talk about this, you know, I've already said several times that you can protect everything. I even titled this, 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 um, segment that I'm doing how not to go broke in the nursing home right and so when I talk about that or if people come into me and they say hey um, my wife had to go in the nursing home I'm scared to death I'm gonna we're gonna run out of money there won't be anything for me to live on I won't be able to pay anymore Um, you know we we talk about these concepts of things we can do to protect assets both the pre-planning which is the asset protection trust you know and or crisis planning, which means that somebody's already in the nursing home and we're already there, right? And so I often get the question after we talk about this, I see their faces light up because, you know, let me paint the picture a little bit. Folks come in when somebody's in the nursing home or they're worried about going to the nursing home and they've Googled stuff and they say, hey, we've Googled this and we've talked to Joe across the street and I've talked to my hairdresser and they all say there's just nothing can be done. So I don't even know why we're here talking about it. They're going to get it all. There's nothing we can do. Well, not so. And so we start talking about the asset protection trust and say, you can protect all this way ahead of time. And if you go into crisis mode, which we'll get to in future weeks here, we can protect it at the 11th hour too. And when I tell them that, their faces kind of light up like there's, hey, you mean there's a light at the end of the tunnel? You mean there's actually hope? <laughs> you know, and, and this type of asset protection is, is, is a, you know, 100% legal and 100% ethical. I often get the question, Uh, is this legal? You know, when I tell them what we can do, it's like, really? Is this legal? (laughs) And I always chuckle at that. I tell you, I chuckle at that. Listen, I want you to make one thing perfectly clear. I'm very proud of my law license. I'm not throwing it away by trying to do something illegal. Never do. This is 100%, this is 1,000% legal and ethical. I mean, we don't hide assets. We don't do anything shady. I mean, hide is literally a four-letter dirty word, okay? In our business, we legally protect or we shelter these assets. I mean, it's ethically legal, just like income tax planning, right? I kind of like to liken it to income, income tax planning. Remember, I told you a few weeks ago, from time to time, you'll hear me get tongue-tied and uh, stutter and uh, kind of lose a train of thought. And I think I told you then, I am not a professional radio announcer. I am just an attorney, you know, I don't do this. This is not my job. So I don't practice at it. And really what happens is my brain gets going faster than my mouth and it doesn't come out right sometimes. So, you know, bear with me. Uh, The most important thing is the information, right? So bear with me um, and we'll, you know, I'll I'll get through it and I'll get to the point when I need to. So uh, we liken this, this, is this legal? It's a lot like income tax planning. You know, every April 15th or before that, you have to file your income tax returns, right? Just like every other American. And, you know, I what I like to do, I mean, I hire people and I pay them money to find every, you know, deduction or credit, maximize those deductions and credits. You know, I want to take advantage of whatever legal deductions you're, you're allowed to take, whatever credits I'm allowed to claim. You know, I want the biggest income tax refund possible from my federal or, you know, state taxes. I don't feel bad about that. I, I don't mind paying my taxes. What I mind is paying more than my taxes. You know, so this is the same kind of concept. So, you know, we're trying to not pay too much if we have to deal with Medicare. Now, how is Medicare funded? It's funded from our tax dollars. I mean, it's is like the government. I mean, it's funded from our tax dollars, which means you work all your life. Your spouse has worked all her life. Um, your parents have worked. Your kids have worked. I mean, everybody's paid money into the federal government and the state government to go towards Medicaid. In fact, the two largest line items in the federal budget and the state budget are Medicaid and education. Okay. All right. Listen, we're we're going to pick it up when I hear where we left off when we come back from break number one. So uh, stay with me here on Bulletproof Estate Planning. I am your host, Estate Plan Stan, and we will be back right after this.
0: For 60 years people have shopped parks motor sales to get the best vehicles and the best service parksmotorsales.com has details on new buicks certified pre-owned cars trucks and suvs financing certified technicians parts tires and much more stop by 919 nashville highway take a buick for a test drive and learn why the buick encore and buick enclave are among america's most reliable vehicles experience the new buick at parks motor sales
1: Front
0: Porch Radio is Southern Middle Tennessee's home for the best in news, talk, and sports. Missed out on any favorite Front Porch programs? Check us out online at FrontPorchRadioTN.com to download episodes of your favorite podcast. Listen live or listen online. Search for it on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Alexa. Join us on the porch, FrontPorchRadioTN.com.
1: Hey, this is George Plaster, and for the very best in sports, keep your dial on 101.7 FM WKOM. Alright, hey, welcome back. Welcome back from the break. And you are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. And listen, we've been talking about this, well, overall topic we're talking about is this concept of how not to go broke in the nursing home. And I know a lot of you are thinking, okay, will you please get to it, right? <laughs> been talking, leading up to it, I've been talking about all kinds of things. I haven't heard anything about the Income Only Asset Protection Trust yet. Stay with me. This is very important groundwork we have to lay. You have to have an understanding of what we're doing, why we're doing it, the concept of what we're doing it. Uh, You can't, you know, this stuff is, there are 10 care rules are a quagmire of rules. So, but before the break, I was talking about how uh, people ask if this is legal. You know, can you do this? Because I tell folks, you don't have to go broke in the nursing home. You don't have to spend everything that grandma has to get her qualified. I don't care what you, the guy across the street tells you or your, nursing, or your hairdresser tells you. You know, that's not legal advice. They don't know. You go on Google and try to Google it, and everybody and their brother has an opinion, right? And 99% of them are wrong. Get, take my word for it. They are wrong. And so you're here listening to this show to get the straight information. That's what I'm trying to give you. So I don't just give you the information. I like to give it all to you. So you've got to bear with me when I lay some groundwork because it will make a lot more sense If we have the groundwork. And so I talked about how I tell people we can save all your assets. They sit up like they're sitting on a spring and their eyes light up and they say, is that legal? (laughs) And I always talk about that. But and I was telling you, I said, this is kind of like income tax planning. So Medicaid planning is like income tax planning. When you plan for uh, income taxes, what you're trying to do is mitigate the blow, right? When tax time comes around, and it's time to pay the tax. You want to minimize. You want to mitigate the effect of your taxes. You don't want to get hammered with a monster tax bill. And like I said, you want to take advantage of deductions, credits, whatever you're allowed to take advantage of. You know, case in point, you know, I'm a Prochowski estate law, but I'm an LLC. So technically, I'm Prochowski estate law, LLC. And because I'm an LLC, small business, I'm entitled to certain tax advantages. And I want them. You know, as an LLC, I don't want to have to pay the self-employment tax. That's like 15%. So I want to be an LLC, and I got to structure myself like an LLC and do business like an LLC. But if I do, I get tax advantages. You know, so it, it, it minimizes the effect of my taxes. That's what we're doing with Medicaid planning, okay, or 10-care planning, if... Well, now, with, with, with income tax, you, there's no if. It's when April 15 comes around, right? <laughs> there's no if there. But long-term care is a little more an if. You may never go into long-term care. But if you or a loved one goes into long-term care, what you want is to be structured in such a way that this catastrophic cost of $8,500 a month is mitigated. And you can handle it. And it's not a financial blow that's going to wipe you out because it will wipe you out. It'll wipe you out in a heartbeat, depending on how much you have to go by. We talked about that. So, you know, you know, one of the things about Medicaid planning that I think is difficult for people is it's just very poorly understood. I mean, there's a ton of attorneys out there that can help you with, or a ton of organizations and attorneys out there that can help you with your taxes. you know, you've got thousands of accountants and CPAs, you got tax attorneys, you got uh, who are they all? H&R Block, uh, Liberty Tax Service, ARP Tax Service, TurboTax. I mean, there's all kind of stuff out there that will help you with your income taxes. But there's there's not many attorneys out there that understand how Medicaid works, and in TenCare, uh, they're even farther and few between. Uh, I, I'm, I you know I don't know why, but I'm the only one for counties around that does this kind of work. I don't have an answer to the question. I got asked that question one time, uh, got a call in on a radio station, and they said, how come, here was the question, I've been listening to you on this radio station, and they said, how come you're the only one talking about this? They said, I call ten care and they won't answer squat. They won't tell me anything. I call attorneys, and they either say there's nothing you can do, or I don't do that kind of work. And, and you know, they, they recognized that when they went on the Internet, there was no two answers that were consistent with each other. So when you have these inconsistent questions or these inconsistent theories, uh, only one can be right if either is right. But I mean, if they're inconsistent, they can't both be right. So they were, you know, at a loss, and they wanted to know why I was the only one talking about it. And unfortunately, I don't think I have an answer for that question. I can guess at the answer, and the, guessing at the answer is because this is a complicated area of law. I have got thousands of hours invested in learning this. Perfecting this trust I'm about to talk about, perfecting the strategies that we use in crisis, you know, thousands of hours. And you may say, well, that's a lot of hours, Stan. If you if you figure it out, that's, you know, that's months and months. Uh, you're right. You are darn right. I have, I have put in my sweat equity on this because if you're going to understand it and do it, that's what it takes. You can't just cavalier attitude and just jump into this or dip your toe in it and say, oh, yeah, I'll do an application for you. I mean, that's the kiss of death, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think it's just poorly understood, and that's why nobody talks about it, right? All right. Now, the other re- there's a, you know we're talking about why do we do this kind of planning. Well, the obvious thing is to mini- minimize the, the blow, right? And so, you know, but the other, there's another reason why we want to do this, and that is that we don't want to be taken advantage of by an unfair system of health care. Or a discriminatory form of health care. Let me say that again. You don't want to be taken advantage of by a discriminatory form of health care. Now, let me unpack that a little bit. When I talk about a discriminatory form of health care or an unfair system, let's unpack that just a little bit. Okay, We have here in America a completely discriminatory health insurance system. And part of what we do with Medicaid Asset Protection Plan is we level the playing field to overcome this kind of a unfair or discriminatory healthcare system. Okay? Now, I'm sure somebody out there is asking the question, okay, Stan, how is it discriminatory? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer it by example. I'm going to give you a quick little example. So, you have to use your imagination here. So, just close your eyes and listen listen to this story, okay? I'm going to tell you about two people. Let's call them John And let's call him Joe, okay? I I didn't put that much thought in the names, guys, so (laughs) bear with me. John and Joe. And let's just say they're neighbors. They live right across the street from each other, okay? Now, John goes to his doctor, right? And the doctor says, John, I got some really bad news for you. You have a cancerous brain tumor, all right? And he says, you know... uh, Unfortunately for you, John, I mean, fortunately for you, John, what we can do is we can we can do chemotherapy. If that doesn't work. We can nuke it. You know, we can give it radiation. If that doesn't work, I mean, ultimately, there's sur- there's surgery for a brain tumor. Right. Now, Joe is next door neighbor. He you know lives right across the street. He goes to the exact same doctor and doctor says, Joe, I got some bad news for you, too you got something in your brain, but it's it's not a cancerous brain tumor. You've got what we call plaques and tangles, okay? Plaques and tangles. And that's Alzheimer's disease, okay? So uh, we don't call it a tumor. Science calls it plaques and tangles. And, and the doctor says, listen, the problem is we don't have any health uh, scientific methods to, to deal with this in the year 2023. You know, we can't use chemotherapy. That doesn't work. We can't nuke it. And we can't surgically remove it because these things are all throughout the brain. And he said, we can't get rid of it. Now, unlike John, who's got these three different ways, right? Chemo, nuking it, and uh, uh, surgery, all of which are going to be paid for by his health insurance, which is what? It's Medicare, right? And if if that cancer comes back, let's say they pay half a million dollars for John. They nuke it, they chemo it, they do surgery, half a million dollars or more. And the, uh, Medicare is going to pay every bit of that, every pay, well, minus the deductions and making, as long as he's been paying his premiums, right? Just like it, it works just like insurance, but they're going to pay for all of it. That's a covered event. And if the cancer comes back for John, let's just say it metastasizes in his liver or something like that and comes back, they'll pay another half a million dollars to deal with it. Medicare will. That's his health insurance it's going to pay for all those treatments all over again. Okay? I mean, Medicare will happily pay that kind of money for as many times as it takes. But let's talk about poor old Joe now, who's got Alzheimer's. He's got these plaques and tangles. There's nothing that medical science can do for to get rid of those things, okay? The doctor says, "Joe, unfortunately for you, the only care available to you medically is that at some point in time when you can't take care of yourself." I mean, not meaning you can't you can't remember how or you just can't do the acti- uh, two or three of the f- six activities of daily living. Then the only solution for you is long-term care where somebody can keep an eye on you and do those things for you. You know, I, I, as soon as you need help with things like bathing, dressing, going to the you know, toilet drink, feeding yourself. You know, when you can't remember to do those things, well, then uh, you need long-term care, right? Now, I want to tell you something. Let's look at these two diseases for a second. I mean, they're pretty similar, right? Both these guys have something in their brains that don't belong there, do they not? Which seems to be causing the illness, right? How come John, the one with the cancerous tumor in his brain, how come all the care he needs because of his disease is covered by health insurance or Medicare? But poor old Joe, with the plaques and tangles causing Alzheimer's, none of the care he needs is covered by Medicare. Not one penny. You know, our broken system says, sorry, Joe, you and your family got to pay out of pocket for the care you need in the nursing home or, or, or you got to pay out of pocket until you go broke. Now, if that's not a discriminatory form of health care, then you got to send me back to law school because that's exactly what it is. Now, I get really fired up when I talk about this example, and I find myself saying ridiculous things like this. If you're lucky enough to get the right disease, like John, the government will pay for everything and they won't come and clean you out. But if you're unlucky enough to get the wrong disease, like Joe, the government under the 10 Care Recovery Act can come in, they're going to clean you out of your life savings. They're going to take everything for the cost of care. Like I said, if that's not discriminatory, then I don't know what is. And if it is, then you better send me back to law school because I don't understand it. But it is. That's exactly what we have in this country. Now, what we want to do, and the whole reason I go through this example I'm trying to show you is that we don't want to be taken advantage of this system. So when we do 10-care planning, we're trying to level the playing field between Joe and John. Now, none of us, me or anybody listening, knows if they're going to go into long-term care, right? I don't know. I guess maybe if you have an early onset of diagnosis of dementia and it's a slow progressive disease, you can get a bit of a heads up. But the bulk of people, they don't know if they're going to end up there. I mean, I could strike a stroke out a week from now and be there. You know, I don't know. Uh, so, But I want to plan for it in case I do, especially when I got a 70% chance because I'm over 65. I got a 70% chance of heading there or needing some level of it. I would like to plan for it and kind of level the playing field between John and Joe. So if this does happen to me, they're not going to hammer me with the estate recovery program and take everything I have and I have, now I have nothing for my wife who's surviving me and I have nothing to leave to my children. I spent my whole life building a life, building a family, saving, you know, have some luxury stuff, you know, I'm I'm not fru- I'm pretty frugal, but I, you know, I like to engage in some luxury stuff and I do. Uh, But I I want to help my kids out. You know, I never inherited anything. I thought it'd be nice if they inherit something. And if I go into long-term care, they're going to take it all. Well, it can only take the cost of care, but it does not take long to rack up a cost of care that exceeds your net worth. After a couple of years, let's get real. So that's why, those are the reasons why we want to do this kind of planning. We have got this catastrophic expense heading our way, possibly heading our way. And if we don't prepare for it, if we're not planning for it, it's going to run over us like a freight train, financially at least. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to get into this, but um, unfortunately, if you do go broke in the state of Tennessee and uh, 29 other states as well, your kids have to start paying for your care under what's called the filial responsibility laws. And the kids may wind up going broke paying for the parents' care. So are you starting to see why Medicaid... Asset protection is important. Do you see the slippery slope that this is? I'm not going to get into those filial responsibility laws right now, but they are out there. All right. So what we talk about when we talk about long-term care, we're talking about, I call it long-term care Medicaid. It's also called middle-class Medicaid. I mean, it's the type of Medicaid. This is available to anyone who meets the eligibility criteria. When you want to get ten care, you got to become eligible, and those those criteria are simply for you to be medically in need of a nursing home level of care. That's the first thing. I mean, in other words, you can't be eligible for ten care if you don't belong in a nursing home. I mean, that just makes sense, right? I mean, the people, you folks that are listening to me are smarter than that. I mean, you got a need to be there. Let's put it that way. All right. Now, and your income has to be lower than the cost of care. Your income has to be lower than the cost of care that you require. Now, the cost of care is different. For everybody there, isn't it? Pretty much. But if your income is less than the cost of care, you'll qualify. So if you're in a nursing home that's $8,500 a month, I mean, even if you have great income, let's say four, five, maybe even $6,000 a month, that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, that's much more than people usually have in retirement. I mean, you can still get Medicaid or 10 care. Like I say, the general rules if you're a single person, your income's gonna go to the nursing home. And Medicaid's going to pay the balance, right? The entire balance. If you're married, there's different rules. If there's a spousal impoverishment rules, we won't lose the income. We'll pass some of it to the spouse. Uh, we'll get into those specifics later. Uh, again, but the general rule is, you know, if you go into the nursing home, um, you know, as, as long as your income is lower than the cost of care, which in my opinion, 99% of the population it is, This is middle-class 10 care, and your income's not an issue for getting long-term care. So your income's got to be less than the cost of care. Now, there's three things we have to qualify for, three categories. One is medically needy. I don't do that. I'm not a doctor. And like I said, you you have to need to be there. So if the medical people say, you know, your Alzheimer's is so advanced, you have to be in care, then you need to be there. The second category is income eligibility. Now, that's something we do. And the third category is resource eligibility. So income is what you get every month that comes in, like your Social Security, your required minimum distributions from your 401k plan, your your pension if you have one, um, military uh, pension if you have one, that sort of thing. Uh, That's your income. And, uh, you know, that's how we get you. you We have to make you eligible for uh, your income. The other one is resource eligibility. That's the stuff you own. Your home, your money in the bank, your investment accounts, your brokerage accounts, your stocks, your bonds, your CDs, I mean, all that stuff. That's stuff you have ownership in. That's not income. Some of that may pay you income, but that's not income, right? All right. So we have to qualify for all that. By And when we qualify for all that, we have to be within certain limits. All right? And one of the first things I want to talk about is one of the things 10 care looks at are what we call gifts. You know, this, I'm starting to talk about what's known as the five year look back period. Okay. Most of you listening to me have probably heard about this. You know, if I ask you to raise your hand, if you've heard about the five year look back period, I'm going to guess that every one of you is raising your hand because that's what everybody wants to talk about. Um, you know, they, they, they look back this period of time for five years. So what are they looking for? Okay, we're going to talk about that. They call it the five-year look-back period, and a lot of people say, well, if you give anything away, you got to wait five years to qualify. I think I mentioned that earlier when I was talking about the differences between Medicare and Medicaid. That's not true. That is not true. You don't don't automatically have to wait five years. It could be five years, but not necessarily. But everyone's heard about this five-year look-back rule, but it's very misunderstood. I mean, in reality... You know, at the end of this program or the end of next, if we bleed over in the, in the next week, you're going to understand the five-year look-back rule. And what you can do is amaze your friends at parties because you're going to be one in a 100, if not one in a 1,000, that understands it and, and exp- can explain it. So you're going to amaze your friends at parties and tell them all about the how this look-back rule really works, okay? All right, we're coming up on break number two. So, hey, stay with me here with... Bulletproof Estate Planning. We'll be back with more asset protection. I am your host, Estate Plan Stand. See you in a few minutes. I hear a lot these days, is there a way to protect my home and life savings from the high cost of nursing home care? The answer is yes. You just haven't heard of it. Hi, I'm Estate Plan Stan with Perchowski Estate Law. I'd like to invite you to my upcoming seminar at 405 West 7th Street in Columbia on May the 24th at 1 p.m. called Wills, Trusts in the Nursing Home, where we will answer that question and more. Call 931-363-7222 to RSVP.
0: This is Coach Mike, and you're listening to the best radio in Southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia, Tennessee.
1: All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. You are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning. I am your host, Estate Plan Stan. And before the break, we were starting to talk about this thing that everybody hears about called the five-year look-back period. And I got done telling you that, hey, I guarantee that what you think about it is not right. And we need to understand it. You know, we can't go with what everybody and their brother says it means. Uh, We need to understand exactly what it means because it is instrumental in our planning. So, We've all heard about this, but it's, it's misunderstood. So let's go over it. Let's nuke this thing out, right? Now, when you think about it, the five-year look-back rule, I mean, the five-year look-back period, there's a period of five years, that that is, for everybody listening to me, and me included, that is a future event, okay? What do I mean by that? I mean, it's a future event. It hadn't happened yet. The five-year look-back rule Begins the day you file a 10 care application. So, and you can't file a 10 care application unless you're institutionalized or you're in care. So, like I'm sitting here, you know, I couldn't just file an application just to see how it turns out. They won't even look at it. It'd fail on square one because I don't qualify, I'm not medically needy, I'm not in a facility. So, let's just nuke how this works. If if I let's fast forward, we'll use me for an example. okay? let's fast forward, hopefully a bunch of years. But I fast forward. I go into a nursing home. okay? I develop dementia and I have to go into the nursing home. I go there. I'm there a month or two or somewhere in that ballpark. And my family decides we need to file for 10 care benefits for dad. Get them. You know, the statute says we're supposed to shift the burden to the third party state. And so that's what we want to do. And so we want to file. So we fill out the 16-page application, okay? You send it in. We do it electronically. You can do it by fax or you can do it by mail. You send it in, and the moment 10 care gets it, that is day one of this five-year look-back period. So what does that mean? Okay, so all right, the look-back period has begun. It begins the day you file the application. Now, what that means is I have just given TenCare the right to look into my financial history for five years, or actually, the statute says sixty months, six zero months, five years, and that's a that that time frame is jurisdictional, which means it's not sixty days, sixty months, and a day. It is sixty months and then end. All right. So I've given them the right to look into my financial history for sixty months. Now, what are they looking for? Well, I'll tell you, they are looking to see. If I have given anything away for less than market value, I call them gifts. Have I I gifted anything away? Now, the actual language we use in the statute is uh, an an uncompensated transfer, which is a good term, whatever works best for you. Gift, um, less than fair market value, uncompensated transfer. The bottom line is you didn't get anything for it. You gave something away and you didn't get anything in return. That's so uncompensated transfer versus a compensated transfer. Compensated transfers you can do all day long. If you buy stuff or spend money on stuff, you know, goods or services, no problem. They don't care about that. They don't even care if it's a wise decision. They can't. They can't. They don't have jurisdiction to deal with that. What they're looking for is you if you you given anything away. Now, the presumption under the law is that is this. If you have given anything away in the last five years, they are allowed to presume that you did it to keep them from getting at it. Actually, the language of the statute says if you, the presumption is if you've given anything away in the last 60 months of going into a nursing home, you did so for eligibility purposes. So, what they mean by that is you were given stuff away to get yourself qualified, to get eligible cuz here's the here's the thought process a lot of people have. I've worked all my life. I've got a money in the bank, I got a house, I got cars, I got a boat, I got stuff. I got a tractor, I got some acreage, I got this, I got that. You name it, I got it. And now I'm going into long-term care, and my wife is in long-term care, and the nursing home or ten care is going to get all of it. Well, if that's the case, they come to the conclusion and say, "Why can't I just give it all away?" Okay, why can't I? Well, that's what we're talking about. You can give it away. But if you do, there's a penalty to go with that. Actually, it's a punishment. I, If you give it away, they're going to punish you for doing it. I call it a punishment. They call it a penalty. We're going to talk about it. I think my term is a better one. So they're going to look, and when they look back five years, and they find anything you give away, they're going to punish you for it. Now, let's talk about how that works. Let's just say... Uh, you know, I, I filed my application, but four years ago, right? Four years ago, I gave away a house that was worth $210,000. Now, actually, they're going to sum up all my gifts, but let's just say for this example, there's only the one. I gave away a house. And, you know, I, I went across the street and my neighbor said, oh, man, if you're heading for long-term care, hurry up and deed the property to your kid now. So I say, that sounds great advice, Fred. Thanks for the heads up. So I go to a lawyer and I deed a property to my oldest son. So here you go, son, for $10 love and affection, here's the farm. Uh, I'm using $210,000. It's worth more than that, but that's an easy number to do in my head. So I I give it to him for $210,000. That's what its fair market value was when I gave it to him. TenCare is going to take that and they're going to say, you know, they might say this. They might say, okay, Stan, you're eligible. We're ready to pay. But we're not going to pay because we're going to impose a penalty period. And we're going to impose a penalty period because you gave away this $210,000 house four years ago, which is within the five years we're allowed to look back. Now, the way we do that is we take the value of the house, $210,000, and we're going to divide it by something called the Tennessee Divestment Penalty Divisor. Every state has one. It changes practically every year. Ours is $7,090, and it's dollars per month. So if I divide the $210,000 by the Tennessee Penalty Divestment Divisor, which is $7,090 per month, I'm going to get an answer in months. And the answer I'm going to get is somewhere around 30 months, right? That's why I use 210000 So they're going to say, okay, Stan, we're ready to pay. You're eligible, but we're not going to pay because we're going to impose a penalty period of 30 months. And after the 30 months is over, then we'll pay. And we're going to do that because you gave away assets where you could have paid us for those 30 30 months, right? That's the penalty period, okay? And the penalty period is something we want to avoid like the plague. I mean, we don't want anything to do with the penalty period. There's two things we're going to dodge like a bad disease, you know, and that's the penalty period and estate recovery, which I'll talk about here in just a bit. But that's how the penalty period works, so you know I, you know when I said before, I said, if you give something away, you have to wait five years before you're eligible. Not true, it's based on how much you give away, isn't it? If I only gave away seven thousand dollars, penalty period would only be one month. If I gave away a million dollars, there's no upper limit to it either. The penalty would be almost thirty years, okay, so there's no upper limit to it, so we don't want to just last thing you want to do is start gifting stuff away so All right, listen, I'm about out of time. Uh, Let it sneak up on me. So, hey, listen, if what you heard this week has piqued your interest, I am glad. I'm glad because that's my mission. My mission is to get this message out that when it comes to estate planning, you've got options. You have got lots of options, okay? Now, if you have any questions of your own that you want to maybe ask me about, uh, give me a call at my office, 931-363-7222. Or go to my website at estateplanstand.com, Uh and you can answer, you know, you can talk to me that way. Seminar coming up is uh, Wednesday, the 24th at one o'clock at 405 West 7th Street in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, uh, come to that at one o'clock on Wednesday, the 24th. Hey, listen, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy doing it. I'll be back on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, next Sunday night at 7 o'clock p.m. for the next episode of Bulletproof Estate Planning. And I am Estate Plan Stan. See you next week. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. Getting a pass is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app.
0: For the love of Tennessee at dawn.
2: For the love of the fight. For the love of having nowhere else you'd rather be. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe.
0: Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station.
1: People are crazy about the Lana Braves. Whoa!